Welcome to the Doctoral Mentoring Masterclass for faculty sponsored by Walden University's Office of Research and Doctoral Services. I'm Lee Stallander, the Associate Director of Faculty Research Training at Walden. If you're a Walden faculty member and would like credit for listening to this Masterclass podcast, please make a note of the code that will be given during the session and email it to me. I hope you enjoy the masterclass. The purpose of today's session is to develop a series of strategies for how to mentor difficult students through the dissertation. Our moderator today is Dr. Deborah Inman. And joining her, we have Drs. Glenn Penny, Dr. Mark Gordon, and Gina Dyson. At this point, I'm going to turn things over to Dr. Inman so she can kick things off, introduce herself, and also turn things over to our panelists. Welcome. And Deborah, you are on mute. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, I'm Deborah Inman. I'm the Associate Dean in the Office of Research and Doctoral Services. I'm standing in today for Lee Statlander, who is the coordinator of our faculty training in ORDS. And we are really excited to have this panel today specifically to address issues, recommendations, what working, what isn't around difficult students, as we all have them. So I want to turn it over to each of our panelists, Mark, Richard, and Gina, and have each of you introduce yourselves, give a little background, uh, then we'll get into the meat of the discussion. Gina? Gina Dyson. I'm the Dean of Student Affairs. Uh, I've been with Walden uh, for 20 years. And uh, a lot of what our students come to us for is grievances and complaints, um, frustrations uh, with kind of working with faculty um, or the doctoral progress. So I've heard a lot of complaints over the years. <laughs> Mark? Uh, Mark Gordon. I'm, uh, I'm actually a Walden graduate. I graduated in the year 99, Remember that? decade. Um, <laughs> there were 3,000 students when I was a student at Walden, and that's now a small program. Um, so I'm in my 21st year uh, here at Walden. Um, I've been a part-time, full-time program, then a program director. I was associate dean for the School of Public Policy and Administration for a while, and I'm now a senior core faculty in the program under the college. Um, so I've been through lots of change. I've had lots of students that I work with. Um, I particularly am a, I'm assigned students that have had a difficult time, perhaps with a former committee. Um, as a core faculty member, I have about a third of my students I would put in that difficult category. Um, so uh, I do work with about 99% of my work is working with dissertation students or capstone students. And Richard. Great. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Um, uh, uh, I've been, uh, my name is Richard Penny. I've been with Walden teaching in the Riley College of Education since 2007. Uh, and in that time, I've had, uh, I think, over 70 students now for whom I was chair or a second member or URR go ahead and get that doctoral degree. 
And uh, like Mark, I've uh, become a little bit of a specialist, for better or worse, in the dis difficult <laughs> student category and often get assigned students as a result of committee reassignments or because the student is on an IAP. Great. Thank you so much. As you can see, we'll, we're going to have a truly lively and informative discussion today. Uh, I'd like to first ask our panelists, how would you define what we mean when we speak about difficult students? And I don't know, Gina, if you want to start and then Mark and Richard, you share your perspectives, um, but, I, but I think setting some parameters around how we're looking at difficult students today would be really useful. Um, so from my perspective, when I get, um, when I am approached by a faculty member who uh, is fe feeling like they have a difficult student, there's a few buckets, right? Um, I have faculty members who feel like the students aren't showing them that the respect that they deserve, right? So um, students are not being respectful. So that, that would go into a bucket of difficult. Um, students who aren't incorporating the feedback. I continue to give feedback. They continue not to incorporate it. I'm kind of at my wit's end. Um, so that would be another bucket. Um, a student who maybe is sucking the life out of you, <laughs> emailing 20 times a day, calling multiple times a day, needing you immediately. And if you don't answer in five minutes, then you know, you're know you not you're not providing the service that they're expecting of you. Um, and then maybe just generally students um, who are, are constantly saying you're being unfair, you're discriminating against me, would be like the fourth bucket I would say that I hear from faculty is all of those areas of discomfort. I, I would add, uh, the procrastinator, the, the student who just never uh, delivers and has lots of um, seemingly legitimate reasons, um, or the student that sucks you into their drama, or they want to talk to you about tuition, I would put that in the difficult category. Um, yeah. I have a student who recently would just inundate me with emails and I would just be completely confused. And I actually think that was a strategy. <laughs> just, I, I have no idea what we're talking about now because it was just a barrage of, yeah. Thanks, um, you guys. I you know, it, it, I agree with all of those points. And the only things I would add might be that, you know, the student that's just angry and argumentative and uh, for any variety of purposes, reasons, and I'm going to come to that in a second. But the other thing, and it's an increasing problem at Walden, is the students who are going to falsify their work, either um, by not really engaging in data collection or by, of course, plagiarism mm -hmm. in the document. And they, you know, become, it's very difficult to work with those students. And in fact, if you uh, saw recently, all the checklists have now been revised um, to address you know, those concerns, which is apparently becoming increased in frequency. You know, the other way I go about um, identifying or understanding a, uh, a student who's likely to be difficult or is difficult is to think a little bit beyond that into the why question. And so my students who turn out to be difficult often are in a hurry to finish they were under the impression that they could get, you know, finish their courses, get all the, the doctoral research done in a year. 
um, on a related note, those students that have been in the process too long, and they've just had a lot of uh, setbacks, negative experiences, and they those build up and 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 help you know create you know that circumstance of the difficult student. Certainly, financial stress, um, home stress, the home situation, and um, students that aren't used to getting feedback and expected to be able to sort of yeah. work on their own through sort of a, you know, an easier process. Yeah. I, I Glenn, I think some yeah. people have a hard time adjusting from courses to being an independent scholar and they are just so frustrated that they're going to share that with everybody, how frustrating it is. Right. Um, and then I yeah. have one last category and that is the student um, who's doing the research as part of their job responsibilities. So for example, I had a student who was a nurse and a nurse educator in a big hospital complex. Well, she had me telling her how to go about things and Walden, of course, and she had the hospital telling her and what their timeline and what they wanted. And that was essentially an impossible situation mm -hmm. for her. And of course, you know, it was very difficult for me to navigate. And there's sometimes there's students who expect a difficult situation. I mentioned earlier in my introduction that sometimes students have had just had a bad experience with their committee um, for whatever, you know, human beings together in groups. Um, and then they come to you and they expect difficulties. I, I, when I get a student, I just assume the best. I assume that the student can do the work, is willing to do the work. And I start off fresh with that student and give them all the benefit of the doubt. And uh, I think that's a good approach. <laughs> so it seems like you actually have some common experiences in the issues that you've identified. Are there any specific details or examples you might like to share so that at the same time you can perhaps share some of the solutions mm -hmm. or maybe some tips that you might have for other faculty who may be experiencing similar challenges? I, I just wanted to acknowledge those of you that, that came today or that are listening to this video, um, you're not alone. Um, there are people, there's literally a team of people uh, that are either on your on the committee or your program director or your colleagues. So if you encounter a difficult student, you're not alone and please reach out to them. Um, that's, I, I get a lot of support from my admin. Um, and, and thank you for coming today. Um, I mentioned the assume the best of students. Um, I have a, a student who would tr would often try to get me to agree to do things, to turn things around before deadlines, to, to really push pushing me in, in an unprofessional sort of way. And um, I think it's very important not to agree to things verbally to, uh, or to talk about tuition or promises about time because that student will 
bring that back up if things don't go well. So you have to be smart. And, and I see Emmanuel actually has asked a question. What about students who seem to know too much and mm -hmm. feel that your feedback doesn't really mean much to them? Has anyone experienced that? And if not, Emmanuel may want to speak to that a little later. Right, right. I mean, we definitely get that, right? You know, the students are like, I've been in this industry for 30 years. I know what I'm doing. You just need to check the box and yeah. finish me up, right? <laughs> we definitely right, have right, it's like, right. I have been working in this industry for 30 years, um, which is lovely. <laughs> so excited that you've been working in the industry for 30 years. But you've not been at Walden for 30 years and you are here to meet the rubrics. I mean, it's a lot about managing expectations. Right, I'm not right, right. I'm not sure if if Richard or um or um Mark have have that scenario, but I mean it really is about managing expectations that you know that's fine, but you're gonna need to follow our rules. You know, I'd like to yeah. that word managing expectations brought me to something I was wanting to say at some point today, and I think it'll it'll fit in here. And, and, um, you know, a lot of the difficult student issue lies around prevention. You've got a lot more tools to work with on day one when you're the first chair out of the box and with, you know, hopefully positive expectations on the part of that student than you do later when things turn sour and your toolkit diminishes and the work becomes harder. So I just can't emphasize too much you know, the concept of prevention. And that that starts with that first meeting where you get to know them and, and, the, and the meetings after where you're setting expectations, you're explaining mm -hmm. this very pesky thing about the iterative nature of doctoral research and feedback. Yeah. Um, you're sharing to them, let them know ahead of time, hey, this is hard work, but a lot of people have gotten through it before you. And then talking about timelines because they almost always come in thinking they're going to finish in a year, right? Um, yeah. And, and part of that prevent, you know, is community of care practices, it's using emotional intelligence, it's engaging in mindfulness and knowing yourself so that, you know, you can come at things, you know, with a positive or neutral thing. Uh, and then the last thing about prevention, I, I think is one of the most powerful tools in my kit has to do with building a community among the, the people, your cohort that you're leading. So you connect them together, they come together, and then the difficult ones can ask the ones that aren't so difficult, hey, why is this so difficult? And they may get a different answer than what they expected. And it makes a, a big, big difference. Absolutely. And I see we have several uh, faculty who are making comments within the chat agreed. And I think An Angie and Beate um, have certainly been hitting on the fact that these expectations are just not being set at the beginning. And I know we yeah. want to pay attention to time, but I'm wondering if we want to take a minute before we start actually sharing some of these recommendations to hear from a few of the folks who are commenting in the chat, since it seems to be right on target with that conversation now. Right. So Angie, would you like to, to share?
And I've unmuted you, Angie, just so you know. And Mary D had her hand up too. So I'm going to unmute Mary oh, D. Thank you. Uh -huh. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. yes. Sorry. Sorry, I had like mute on three different devices and I was trying to figure out how to, how to get it all because I, I dialed in my phone as well, trying to make sure I wasn't echoing or anything. Um, so, I, Deborah, I have to apologize just a little bit. I was reading Dorothy's comment while you were talking, so I need you to repeat your question to me. Oh, no worries. I was just uh, commenting on your, your comments in the chat. And the fact that everyone yeah. does seem to be agreeing about the need for setting expectations from the beginning. And I didn't know if yeah. there was anything else you might like to share. Yeah, I, I mean, I think um, what I see most often um, now, especially in my role as program director, are students who come at the beginning of the process come to me and say, I'm not getting the, the support that I need to be able to do my dissertation. And when we start having a conversation, their expectations are just, I would say, off the mark. They're, they really are expecting a course room, a classroom kind of experience mm -hmm. where I do an assignment, I turn it in, I maybe get some feedback, I redo it once, and that should be good, right? Like the, the idea of iterative revisions is not there. Um, and they are expecting a, an expeditious process where you know, they're guided every step of the way, too. I've had students say, well, my faculty member isn't telling me what to do. And it's like, that's right. They're not. Like, that's what I'm so, they're not supposed to be. And having that conversation about what, what a scholarly discourse should be once students get into the dissertation and how they need to think about participating in that process rather than being sort of the recipient if that makes sense, like being active as opposed to passive, maybe that's a better way of putting it. Um, so that is, that's sort of what, what I've seen a lot of the conversations be as of late around difficult students is really just differing expectations of what that process should be like. Right. And Beate, yeah. I see you've agreed with that and Mary Howe also. And Dorothy, appreciate the example you gave because you're right, we do end up doing our jobs, but we really don't want to have to tell them every single step. But it looks like you got your point across, which is really important because the student was successful. But I'm going to turn it back over to our panelists uh, now, and then we'll come back to open it up to other comments. But before we do that, anyone else who's made comments in the chat have anything you want to say before we go back to the panelists? I think Mary D wanted to speak. Mary D. I think Mary D raised her hand, but then put it down. She well, she's on mute, so she might be speaking. <laughs> like me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess she's good. No, she's off mute. Okay. Right. Nope, she's so, still on. Okay. Okay. She said no. Uh, she said she doesn't have anything okay. else to okay. say at the moment. Okay. So uh Gina, Mark, Richard. Yep. I just wanted to note in the chat room, I put a document of 16 sort of recommendations or some of it's big picture and some of it's very uh, practical, like make sure or insist that the student uses Walden's resources, mm -hmm. um, you know, walk them to the library, walk them to the library if you need to, um, some of that very practical 
things. Um, uh, you know, there's Coursera has great lectures. Even YouTube has some good stuff. So not everything um, is going to be spoon fed to the student. So you may need to talk to them about being an independent scholar and actively going out and reading what they need to read. Um, I tell you, one of the things that one of the most difficult um, students I encounter is the know-it-all. I, I, I have had that student just this year, actually. And um, I actually twice in a phone call with her had to tell her to please stop talking. Just, you know, my, my parenting skills came out. You need to listen to me now. You know, I was speaking like that because it just nothing I said was was getting through right. and uh, it worked. So I would say the parenting skills, uh, you know, can come into play. <laughs> um, so from my perspective, a little bit in terms of what what we see, you know, I, I, I oftentimes think that faculty can can confuse frustration with insubordination or disrespect. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a fine line. It's a very fine line. You know, what is just frustration and then what is kind of over that line? You know, you know, you got to remember these are these are students in their 30s, 40s and 50s. They've got full time jobs, full time families. They're not 18 year olds that just, you know, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Whatever you say. Right. Um, yeah. They're not on scholarship. They're paying one hundred dollars a day every day, one hundred dollars a day, approximately. Wow. Um, you know, you know, yeah. um, and, and, and many times they think of themselves as customers as much as they think of themselves as students. And so, you know, while we certainly want to elevate their professionalism, help them understand that they are part of the academy, they are still kind of these, you know, um, adults who need to just get this done to support their families, their communities, et cetera. And so I, I, I just would always encourage you to to realize that sometimes it's just frustration it's it's not it's not an insubordination it's not a personal attack mm. um, and sometimes you just have to take a step back and build that trust a lot of it is building trust i mean online you know we have a lot of courage to be rude um right and the more that you yeah, can get to right. know yeah. your students the better it can become now you know obviously yeah. you don't have all the time in the world but yeah. The ways that you can build well, that trust are just going to go a long way. And I wonder if, and Sheena, maybe you can shed light on this. I wonder if some students think that if they just frustrate their committee enough, they can get them replaced. <laughs> <laughs> they can frustrate um, the chair just enough to, that they say, you know what, this isn't a good fit. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, students who are refusing to do work should be getting used um for sure right don't be afraid to give the you if they're absolutely refusing to do the work um but yeah i mean you know again it's about building that trust it's about what okay so what what is going wrong right um what you know help me to understand explain my feedback back to me um so that i'm i'm going to make sure that you understand what i've said um but yeah, I mean, students who don't like what they hear sometimes will just say, yeah, well, I, you're, I you're not a, doing your job. A few years back, I had a student who I think was trying to get me off of his committee. He said I was racist because I had asked him how um, 
um, well, anyway, it, it was he was trying to set up the situation so he could claim I was racist. And I okay. said, no, no, that's really <laughs> not how I see it. Um, oh, that's too bad. You know, it I'm is. And about... I stuck with him and because mm -hmm. I knew what he was doing. And I'm like, yeah, no, nice try. You know, I was thinking a little bit about, you know, sort of the categories of students that come to us in difficult. We talked a little bit about the student that knows it all. And we talked a little bit about the student who is resistant to the process or resistant to listening. But I think there's another, probably a dozen categories, but another one that comes to my mind that we need to be prepared as chairs to really support. And that's the students that don't come with enough academic preparedness to where they're seeing success in the program and therefore they're frustrated and angry about that either the program is too hard or you know and so um i think there's a, a lot of things that we can do with those students one thing i do a lot of is chunking or mastery learning right we just sort of set micro goals and we work through those and then pairing them with the resources we have at walden um you know, whether it's CAX courses or all the great things at ORDS or the writing center or the library. And 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 Mark, like you talked about, taking them, walking them there, holding them by the hand. Yeah. And, it can and, be a little and, overwhelming, can it? Right, exactly. I mean, it's a lot. There's a when you get there, it's like, oh my God, right? where do it's, I start? <laughs> it's um it, you know, saying go to the Walden Writing Center is sort of like saying go to uh, Singapore, go to New York City, right? You know, and there you plop down in this city of 10 million people without a clue where to go Go from there, right? You're lost. So you've got to do more than, than that. And, um, you know, but that, the other thing I think is feedback that's solution oriented so that you're not just saying, hey, this is wrong, but here's how to fix it. Here's a good example of, of, yeah. of what, you know, you could do more of, gosh, you got yeah. right build on that skill, so, anticipate uh, questions to make feedback yeah. be so negative. And yeah. even if yeah. you mean it in a sincere, positive way, it is so easy to be negative. And those conversations are so important, not just emails or written work. I'm sorry. Right. Yes. Yeah, I highly recommend um, uh, calls or video calls yeah. or phone calls. Follow it up with an email right after you're done. Great chat today. Here's what we discussed. Yeah. So it's documented. But, um, you know, the if you can have the time to have those um, in place. And sometimes students are just embarrassed when they don't understand. So they just, they don't tell you they don't understand. They just kind of lash out. And so, you know, finding ways, I love Richard talking about micro goals, finding ways to start with small chunks. Okay. Uh, you know, recite this back to me. What what is yeah. it that I'm asking yeah. you to do? Great. And 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 because sometimes they're just too embarrassed to kind of say I don't understand. I, I had that happen. Just I gave feedback and I said, here's an example. Please correct throughout the rest of the document. But she was she stopped. She was only correct exactly the one thing. And you know that's mm -hmm. pretty tedious, right? What well, she didn't understand, and I didn't know that until I had a conversation with her. So she didn't know what I meant so that's a great tip mm -hmm. um there was a question in the chat about resources from student affairs um certainly we can do mediations we're happy to be the third person on the call um 
we work with Barbara Benoliel, who's actually a certified mediator. And so sometimes we'll pull her in. She's in human services. Sometimes we'll pull her, pull her in to do some mediations as well. Um, and so we can offer that support uh, if needed, if, um, you know, attempt, other attempts at de-escalation haven't, haven't worked. And I, thanks so much, Gina. And I'd like, Darcy, I see you put a comment in the chat about a document that you create. Could you share a little bit with us about that document and how students respond to it? I'm looking to unmute Darcy, but I'm not seeing her. Let's see. Oh, here we go. Okay. Um, well, I learned this trick from from a colleague here at Walden who who put together a document that just and and it's longer maybe than it should be, but I, I just talk about my own expectations and I try and frame it in a positive way. And I, and the main thing I'm trying to communicate besides the silly stuff that make me who I am, which we all have quirks. I think it's helpful when students know those up front, but I want them to know if you ever receive feedback from me that you are, that you don't understand or you are, you feel offended by it, stop and please ask because I never intend it to be that way. Um, and so I, I start off and that's the, one of the very first things that they see from me is this document. Um, and I've been able to add to that over the years just because I've learned about who I am as a mentor. And I feel, although the document itself is a tiny bit overwhelming, like I'm like, if you want me as your chair, this is what you're getting. And I give them that document and some go running and, and some, <laughs> you know, and some will be like, yes, yeah, sign me up. Um, but I can always refer back to that to go, you know, remember, I was always going to assume the positive of you and you were going to do the same for me. Um, and I feel it kind of has, it's nice to kind of set that as the tone as you begin working together. And Darcy, I see you say that you actually review that document mm -hmm. at your first Zoom meeting with the student. I just want to ask, do you have any questions, you know, um, anything I can clarify? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Great. Thank you. Um, what I'd like to take just a minute now, given that we've had some great suggestions from our participants as well as our panelists, I'd like to come back to our panelists and ask, what recommendations would you have for a new faculty coming to Walden about how to work with our students and how would you weave in that there may be some difficult students? And if so, what's the best approach? to working with them. Because many of our new faculty just experience it for the first time without really having that expectation that it could actually be one of their students unless they've been advised by their program. You know, uh, Deborah, one thing that I would say to new faculty members in their first or second or third year is just keep in mind that you don't have to solve all these things on your own that just like we build a community of care around students, you know, we, Walden has gone to considerable effort to build a community of care around um, faculty members. Often uh, when you get assigned your first students, you'll be given a very experienced second member who's there to help. And so just don't forget about them or your program coordinator, or I'm sure there's people in student affairs in, that Gina Dyson could talk about more who would pitch in. And, and answer questions and someone to get confidential feedback from. 
great, thank you. Yeah, that was the first thing that came to mind is if you're a new faculty member, we often are, I don't know if it's often or always um, pair a new faculty member with somebody who's been on committees. And so there's, you're not alone. Um, there's always that second member to reach out to, include them, copy them on emails so they are in the loop. Um, uh, recently, we had a call where our associate dean was brought into the conversation. And I thought that was a nice way to um, get us all on the same page with the student. Um, so yeah, um, uh, again, create, creating trust in a relationship as time allows. Um, also, you know, it's important to create boundaries and stick to them, but be flexible on your availability, right? So again, students should not be, you know, texting you and calling you at 4 a.m. If you're asleep at 4 a.m., you know, that's inappropriate, right? So you want to create those boundaries, but you also want to be flexible. A lot of these students work full time. So, okay, um, you're gonna be available yeah. on Sundays from five to nine, I, whatever that looks like, right? But like after, you know, after eight o'clock on, you know, Monday through Friday, I'm not available. Like don't text me, don't email, you know, so create those boundaries and stick to them, but allow flexibility for your students. Um, uh, have video check-ins, like I said, as often as possible, um, but be ready yeah. for an email follow-up. Um, I, I would say require check-ins, by the way. Yeah. I, I would go further, <laughs> yeah. or at least, yeah. Um, and another thing I would say too, is that, you know, I, I wanna acknowledge that it's very unsettling and uncomfortable um, when students lash out at you or accuse you of discrimination. It's it's not a comfortable place to be. Um, and so I, I do wanna say though, that students are allowed to grieve immaturely, as long as it's in good faith, they're allowed to grieve immaturely. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, we're not going to punish them for grieving, um, but at the same point in time, you know, they do need to be respectful. We do have a code of conduct, um, but remember, it's kind of that frustration versus the insubordination. I mean, if they're, if they're threatening you physically, if they're saying terrible things, like that's not going to be permitted. Like we do not permit faculty to be abused at Weldon. But at the same point in time, sometimes it's just a fight or flight. It's just a fight or flight moment, right? And to try to build that trust again to say what's really going on here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we do have an office of equity um, at a talent that does um, do discrimination complaints, like that's part of their job. So I'll put it into the chat. You can refer students who want to file a claim of discrimination. Again, usually they just say that because they want to be heard and then they calm down and yeah. then they're just like, well, it's just unfair. And um, but you can always refer them over. And oftentimes, you know, they'll, you know, the office will say this really doesn't rise to the level and you need to go back and try to mediate yeah. with your faculty members. So I'll give you that. So I, I asked the question how a Creole is considered uh, Native American. And that was the, the reason the that's I'm like, I oh, thought it was a pretty good question. I, I thought, you know, Creole is not a Native American and evidently I was wrong. So, <laughs> but again, it was, he was lashing out. He had a bad experience with his earlier committee. And frankly, I was his last resort and I wasn't going anywhere. And he, he was trying to scare me away, you know? <laughs> and you I know, think, um, oh, go ahead, Richard. Um, 
you know, one thing, uh, you know, I talked a little while ago about, um, um, you know, faculty members, um, you know, what the supports are for them. Because, but, you know, there's another piece of this. And even if the student is not being inappropriate, these difficult interactions are stressful and hard for people. And, if, uh, and you know, you should be aware that overall the mental health of, of young people across the United States has been declining, right? And, but but those of us that are a little older, we're not immune for that either. That's a trend all across the nation of declining mental health. And, and, and things like um, our job, which is you know offering distance learning, we know that that is a difficult um, pursuit. So you know, I encourage people to invest in themselves to uh, engage in healing practices, to practice, you know, mindfulness, to, um, to uh, you know, learn about emotional intelligence, especially the part of it is that that's self-reflective and how are you feeling and is that okay? And what do I need to do to recharge those batteries? Uh, because, the, you know, the, if we can be centered and we can be calm and we can protect ourselves and we're better able, you know, to serve those students. No, those are excellent points, Richard. And I think, you know, one of the other things that I found, and I know we do this with all of our doctoral students, but reminding them that getting your doctorate is a real responsibility, reminding them that you are expected to grow and be a different person at the end of this experience. Wow. You don't want to pay all this money. And Gina, thanks for the reminder, that $100 a day, maybe we should remind them, what did you do today to make that investment worthwhile for you? But I feel like sometimes we are not having those tough conversations with them and reminding them that this is a journey that they signed up yeah. for, for any number of reasons. And if it was easy, yeah. then it would be meaningless. You know, you they need to grow and learn. But I do yeah. understand that some of them need different ways to learn. So again, that goes back to as a mentor, is there a way that I can teach you differently? Mm -hmm. uh, talk to me about how you best learn. Mm -hmm. um, you know, really trying to get at, do I need to change how I'm working with the student because of their learning style? Um, so, it, I, and I do know that we at Walden seem to go above and beyond in, in every way, which is wonderful. And it's why we're all here. It's why we all care. Um, but I want to take just a minute, turn it back over to the panelists, because I want to give the audience also an opportunity to ask any questions, additional questions of you that they may have before we close out today. So any other final uh, comments from our panelists before we open it up to questions? One, one thing that came to mind as you were speaking was um, uh, at residencies when I work residencies, um, I tell students that give them permission to say no um, so they can treat their Walden work with the importance that it deserves. So there might be something in their life that needs to be put on hold for a while so they can make the time that's needed for their Walden work um, just to give them permission to be a little uh, selfish. <laughs> Um, and, uh, some, uh, you know, sometimes the Richard, as you were speaking that sometimes the difficult students are handling 
really difficult things. And uh, so a little accurate empathy would uh, go a long way as well. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I, this this term, I had a student who I thought was going to be difficult. She just disappeared. And it turned out that her son had um, committed suicide. Oh. And she was on the flight to Germany that she hit the ceiling when it hit turbulence and her computer literally cracked in two. So, I mean, this all happened to this person within one term. Um, I had, uh, you know, had I not asked, I may not have known if I didn't have the conversation, like it's what's going on, like what's happened. Um, so I think that the, the caring for oneself is good, but have that, but, really spending a little extra time with a difficult student can really pay off in spades, right? Right, and that comes with building that trust. So when you ask mm -hmm. those questions, Mark, they'll actually mm -hmm. give you an honest answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I, I mean, I think I, I can't, after 20 something years, I cannot, think of a single family fa faculty member who wouldn't have enough compassion for our students. I think it's more mm -hmm. the other end. Well, and then I'm, of course, I'm in education, right? We all are educators have a little tendency to be over compassionate, Maybe. probably. And it's <laughs> but again, you know, at some point, where, where do you draw the line? Right? Where is it none of yeah. my business anymore? I wouldn't want to know if somebody's child commit suicide. I don't want to know this kind of stuff, right? That doesn't mean that I don't work with students. But yeah, I yeah. mean, there is still somewhere a line, which is when I call Gina, where, you know, you, you step over the line of um, rude, unprofessional, and so forth. But I also think that that line is moving, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if you look at it, current world leaders and including former US presidents, they moved the line. Mm -hmm. I mean, they said things in public where my generation would just go, oh my God, right? And you're you're not too embarrassed to leave your house in the next three years, right? So I think <laughs> that line is moving because it, it it is being modeled as such, mm -hmm. right? So I think we, you know, when students, I try to remind myself when students burst out, to not look at the line, right? To let the burst just go. Because we, you know, this is what the world is doing now. Everybody can post whatever nonsense on social media and it's totally acceptable, apparently. So, so I think my generation has to adjust to that. And that's not easy, right? But, you know, that's mm. why I call Gina. She's younger. She. <laughs> Well, I'd love to know what Gina thinks about because I'm trying to think, Beyonce, I hear you loud and clear, absolutely. But I guess there's a part of me that goes back to, I want to make certain that all of our students who graduate from Walden are students that we are proud to, to wear the Walden alumni hood, the, 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 the students who, when they tell people, I graduated from Walden, that their professional behavior represents all that we at Walden hope that it will. Because everything comes back to our reputation. Um, and so I think there's that side to keep in mind. And I know Gina, you and I have been in 
a number of meetings where, you know, we raise that question, how do we help the student help themselves mm-hmm. when their behavior is not as professional as it might be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, I mean, <clears throat> we're always trying, we should always be trying to elevate professionalism. We should always be trying to help students understand because this is going to follow them. It's not just here, you know, um, this is going to follow them into their professional life and when they interact in other kinds of ways. And so, you know, part of the journey is helping them to be part of the academy and what that all entails. Um, That doesn't mean that we slap them with conduct every time they use cap locks, because that's really not helpful. Um, But at the same point in time, we don't, you know, we need to continue to help them understand what we're expecting and what our expectations are and what the consequences are if we cannot kind of work together, if we cannot be collaborative. This is a community. Um, This is a community. And if you can't really participate in the community, then, you know, we we can't move forward. Um, Well, Steve Steve has his hand up. Uh, Steve Wells, I think, has his hand up. Oh, he took it down. Okay. Right. Um, Biashi, I see your hand is up. Did you have anything else you wanted to say? No, I didn't. And, and you know, but the, like Steve has the patience of, I don't know, I don't <laughs> think he's probably, if we would have a comp- competition in this university, he's the most patient person on the planet, right? So it... Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but but we all have to adjust somehow to it, right? But again, I mean, for me, it's always a question, Gina, where's the line, right? right? And and yeah. everybody has a little different line, right? I'm probably more easily offended than the rest of the world. But, so the, you know, it, I don't know. I, I think what you're saying, Beate, is, is smart. I think you you use Gina as sort of like a sounding post. Like this happened. Did am I did I you did you hear it the same way I heard it? Because I was kind of offended or um how should I respond to that? Um I, I you know I think that's great. We all need friends at Walden we can talk to. And you know I think oh. that's an important point that you just made, Mark. You know, we don't have to, when, when we're struggling with a student, we don't have to deal with it alone. And I can't remember Gina, Mark, or Richard, but I remember someone stating earlier in the, the conversation today, reach out. If you're struggling with a difficult student, reach out to your program, reach out to your, you know, you do have program support and always, Gina, you're going to get a lot of plugs here, but you always have a lot of support from Gina's office. So, you know, it is important to know you're not alone and it's okay. It's okay to ask for additional support or just, can you tell me how you might've handled a student like this in the past? Uh, You know, uh, Beate talked a little bit about a changing world. And indeed on these areas that we're talking about, the world is changing rapidly. I have a student right now that is working on her dissertation on university counselors around the, around the nation. They're finding themselves to be overworked. They are stressed um, because, you know, the demand for for services um, for students that are having these experiences is going up, up and up. 
And there's no sharp dividing line between being a faculty member and, uh, and a university counselor. You know, we will have many of those same experiences. So I want to thank everyone. This has been a great discussion. And Mark, go ahead. We'd love to hear. No, seriously, if you have any other tips to share? I was going to take it back to the panelists and ask if you have any final recommendations or points you want to make sure we make today. Uh, just my tips are in that document. Um, and it's just, um, I'd asked a few colleagues to share some tips with me. And so this is a little um, compilation of all of that. Um, And, you know, I the one know. thing that I would share, Mark, did I interrupt you? Nope. No. no. Um, share is that mentoring helps so much. If you can connect students with their peers, uh, some of our mm -hmm. uh, programs at Walden have formal uh, peer mentoring programs. I know we do in education, but in the absence of that, there's so many ways to help establish those relationships informally. Yeah, it's all about building that trust, building the intimacy, building that community. Um, I, I included a difficult student level set um, uh, that you can use as well. A lot of times when a student is being difficult, sometimes I'll see faculty send an email back to them, which starts with the conduct and then maybe talks about why the student's upset. So I always encourage start with why the student's upset. What's really what's really the problem here? provide a referral if they're unhappy with you, and then, of course, finish it up with conduct. Remind them of our community responsibilities, our code of conduct policy, and put them on notice that if they continue this, you know, that's possibly going to be a conduct referral in the future. Right, absolutely. And Darcy, I think your suggestion in the chat, everyone, if you haven't noticed, be sure and take a look at it, because I think that's an important comment to to wait 24 hours before responding yes. to the student. Oh, um, very good tip. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so thank I you. Have, I've used that one often and then go back the next day and then have to add quite a bit of editing. Uh, yeah, good tip. I also use, just speaking of email, I use reminders a lot. If I email a student, I'll copy myself and then I'll set a reminder um, to follow up in whatever date um, to let that also lets a student know that I'm uh, I'm on top of what we had agreed that you know they were supposed to do. <laughs> the code for today is MS218. Right. Anything else before we close out our session and turn it back over to Lita today? You know, one thing we didn't talk about were the um, academic uh, plans, but that's also a lot of my, not a lot, most of my difficult students have an uh, map of new language, the formerly IAP. <laughs> you know, and that's a good point, Mark. And I think, you know, Gina, you and I in earlier conversations have talked about you know, for some students, having giving them an assignment, a weekly assignment that you follow up with them, just little pieces. It goes back to what you were talking yeah. about, Richard, about chunking. But some of our difficult mm. students just really need more structure mm. and check-ins and guidance and feedback. 
So, you know, any way that we can do that, but you're right, many of them may be on, on a plan and we need to take all of those things into consideration. But I will say back to a point Beate made earlier, we do, we all go above and beyond Walden faculty care, I think more than, I put our faculty up against faculty anywhere else as far as being caring, taking one more step, going above and beyond. But I think it's important for us to have these realistic conversations about how do we strategically move these students forward? How do we make certain that these difficult students are getting the guidance that they need, but also that the faculty who are working with them are getting the support they need mm. so that it's a successful experience for everyone. And Jean, I want to just say from my perspective, and I know others probably share it, you and your office are awesome and really making certain some of those experiences turn out successfully. And the CRC uh, with the TELM also provides coaching as well. I haven't really had a lot of experience with it, but I do know that they do say, please reach out, CRC at atelum.com if you just want some general coaching. So I can't, I can't verify the um, quality of that, but it, it's there. It's there for you. Cool. And you're right, Darcy. Positive reinforcement makes a big difference. So I think that group chat that you mentioned is another way to celebrate. So um, it looks like we have a lot of terrific um, suggestions and recommendations in the chat along with great discussions and guidance from our panelists. So one of the things that I know um, Lita has a slide up, you know, we do have the guidebook. It is updated after every masterclass session. And so what we do is, when I say we, I really mean Lee. Lee <laughs> summarizes, goes through the chat, pulls the information, puts together the bullet points and really provides some good feedback from each of these sessions that are, we hope will be helpful. So if you haven't had a chance to access the guidebook, be sure and do that. Also acknowledgement and credit is given to those who make suggestions that are included in the guidebook. So really appreciate everyone's work and involvement with their masterclasses. A great round of applause for our panelists. Thank you so much for making this a wonderful discussion today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. And a, a link to a recording for today's session will be placed in comments. So if you missed any part of today's session or want to refer the session to a colleague, you can send them to comments and it will be available as a webinar and also a podcast. Have a great rest of your day, everyone. And thank you to our panelists and also to Deborah for being such a great moderator. Bye bye. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lita. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. This podcast was sponsored by Walden University's Office of Research and Doctoral Services. Our music was by Excel Music Publishing, licensed under Creative Commons.